study. Hi, welcome to another McLaren Fans podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Donnelly. Joining me this week, as always, is Sarah Merritt. Say hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. And uh, rejoining us on the podcast, um, Andy Robinson. Hello again, Andy. How well, are you I, I didn't actually leave. I just stayed around. I, mean, I just came back yeah. by default. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Silverstone weekend. It's It's been good. It's been crazy. It's been fans back in stands. It's been everything you would want a Grand Prix weekend to be, really, as a fan. Um, yeah. I know all three of us have w- went this weekend, uh, probably all three different kinds of experiences. Um, uh, Andy, you were, you were camping, weren't you? We were. Uh, my folks and my partner and myself spent the weekend in Woodlands, and it was amazing just to be back with that many people and that many McLaren fans. We'll get onto that later, I'm sure of it, but that was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you um, you went a little bit more upmarket, I believe. Yep, I did Friday only, but I had hospitality at Brooklands with JDC, um, which was very nice. It felt like we didn't stop eating or drinking all day long. But of course, we had a glorious view looking down the straight to the left. And then uh, ahead of us, we could see all the fans by the stage. And then to the right, we could see the drivers going through the the, the curves around past Luffield. It was uh, it was a really good spot to be in. Uh, and if only I was a better photographer and didn't just have an iPhone with me, I might have been able to make use of that. Excellent. And um, myself, I went on the Friday too. I had a general admission ticket and uh, spent the day uh, grandstand hopping, really, uh, which is good. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's let's just discuss sort of Silverstone crowds and everything else like that. Um, this is the first time sort of, I was going to say post-pandemic, but it's obviously not yet, but one of the biggest probably if not the biggest event held in the UK since yep. the pandemic started. Um, it was a test event from the government um, and essentially everybody who went had to prove that um, they were um, either had a negative test or they'd had two vaccines uh, to gain entry. So, so how well, did you how did you find getting in Andy? Um, I found basically it was not as enforced as heavily as I thought it might be. Um, I, I would agree with you there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I guess I could have easily used somebody else's pass to get in for, for that. But given that, let's say, I think there, there was 120,000 people there on the Friday. Um, I think. Other people had different experiences. It might have just been the gate that I was at, but um, you know, certainly for where we went in, it wasn't busy. They, had, they definitely had time to check bags, so they had time to check stuff. But it seemed to be uh, one in two people had a check done for that. Yeah, um, I, I, I think. Sorry, Andy, go on. I managed to get in on the Friday without my ticket being checked. 
Your actual the, race ticket. My race ticket was not scanned. I, I walked around from um, Stowe down to gate 12, so 10 down to 12, and, and there was no one there. And the person who was doing the check was asking my, my bag. He was asking me what I was allowed to bring in. Was allowed to bring in tent poles, which were for the flag. Was allowed to take my bike in. And he was asking me as a punter what I was allowed to bring in. I was <laughs> telling him what we're, we're not allowed electric bikes, but you're allowed bikes. But I didn't have my ticket scanned. Just amazing. You must look That's very crazy. I, I certainly found at the gate that we were at, um, there were four of us in a group, and they asked us just to hold our phones out and show them our COVID certificate, our, our vaccine certificate. So all I had was a screenshot of a QR code at that point. And, and the lady on the gate casually glanced at it and glanced away. Now, I thought they were going to be scanning those codes. I thought that was part of the test event protocol to scan who was there. Um, I could have shown her any QR code. I don't think she would have known what it was. And because they never asked to see our photo ID that was on the list of things to take with us, I could have shown her anyone's code because she doesn't know I'm Sarah Merritt and she didn't check my photo. So I was very surprised. On the flip side to that, though, I know someone that left Saturday midday to go back to the campsite to get some bits to then come back in Saturday afternoon. And their COVID test ran out while they were outside the campsite and they couldn't get back in because they didn't have enough data on their phone to actually be able to get the test result to the NHS to get the test result back onto the app. So they couldn't get in because their NHS app had expired. Yeah. See, I think that was one of the things. If you were there for more than just a day, like me, you needed to keep testing yourself at the campsite, didn't you, to keep yourself up to date? Um, Which sounds like a bit of a kerfuffle, but obviously they're doing it to try and keep everyone safe. Um, it'll It'll be interesting to see what comes out in the next few days, weeks, won't it? We also lost um, some keys. We went to Lost and Found. And while we were in Lost and Found, there was a person that had dropped his iPhone from the top of the grandstand and it shattered. Couldn't show a ticket, couldn't show an NHS test and trace thing, had no way of getting back into the um, into the uh, venue. They couldn't do anything for him. He couldn't show negative COVID test and he couldn't show his ticket. So I guess, I guess there's, like, like I say, I think, it may have depended where you went and what time you went and everything else like that. You know, obviously I went on the Friday, Sarah went on the Friday and maybe around that point, they'd not quite go up to speed of what they needed to do. Um, but it sounds like maybe over the weekend, they got a little bit more hotter on it and stuff like that. So, um, however, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, let's not, let's not um, beat up Silverstone on this because they tried to put an event on within the rules with a lot, a lot of people um, over a whole weekend. And, um, you know, I, I would say that it was pretty successful in some ways. Um, certainly from my point of view, normally I just go for every every Silverstone Friday. I normally go for Silverstone Friday, a ticket, a GA ticket. It's normally pretty quiet and you can walk around and sit in loads of grandstands and you know just chill out but it was it felt like a saturday quality day sort of crowds on friday yeah and of of course the schedule change meant that friday had a bit more meat on its bones didn't it you know the value of a friday ticket has has gone up infinitely um and i know from talking to the hospitality people they charged the rate based on what the original schedule would be and the rates that silverstone charged them for at the start of the season but they think that going forward, 
they're going to have to charge more money on a Friday, perhaps the same as a Saturday, in order to, to you know, make it worth their while because more people are going to come on Friday now. It was so busy, but brilliant because everyone got to see that first Friday evening qualifying and everything was delayed. So you didn't have to wake up early on Friday morning to get in. You could almost go yeah. to work and come afterwards and see, still see everything. And it was rammed, like brilliantly rammed in post-COVID world. It was brilliantly rammed. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I felt pretty safe all day long. The only time I started to feel a bit bothered was actually in the evening because we stood at the edge of the concert area um, and tried to watch Rudimental, but it was just like, you know, it was just so close. And having not been out as much as I haven't been out in the last 18 months, I wasn't ready to get in a mosh pit of people jumping about. And uh, <laughs> so we, we stood on the edge and we watched and, uh, and left before Rudimental finished to avoid the crowds on purpose. Um, but yeah, you know, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, well, I was in uh, COPS for qualifying and um, it was pretty busy. Um, it, there was, you know, in each section, there was a couple of seats spare, but you literally did have somebody sat right next to you, behind you and in front of you, um, which, you know, given what it was, that was going to kind of happen. But it was just it was just weird and took a little bit of time to get comfortable with it um, to start with. But, you you know, you kind of got to put your trust in your fellow F1 fans out there to have done the right thing um, and, you know, use common sense and have taken tests and things like that. So, yeah, it was weird because it's like every, like everything else, the biggest crowd I've been in for 15, 16 months or anything like that. But certainly, um, yeah, you know, as far as the event went and – Friday quality, then the sprint, and then the race. I thought it worked quite well. What did what did yeah. you think? Maybe a few tweaks to the sort of sprint on Saturday might make it a bit more exciting. But certainly, um, as a format of something different to kind of just get the, the I'm going to use the juices flowing sort of thing. Um, it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, none of my juices flowed, so I was all right. <laughs> thought you had hair fever <laughs> there was a lot of champagne involved i'm sure it was prosecco uh, <laughs> no i thought i thought friday was brilliant but obviously i feel like i'm a bit biased because i was there i did hear people talking down saturday a bit talking down the sprint race as i'm gonna call it the thing that no one else is seemingly allowed to call the sprint race um but yeah i, I really enjoyed the the sprint qualifying and, and that I couldn't really see the point of the, the other practice session on Saturday morning. Um, what do you think about that, Andy? I didn't. They're, they're in park firmer conditions. So they can change yep. almost nothing to the cars, apart from learning the track, which 90% of those drivers know that track inside out anyway. Um, I don't know why you'd have a practice two in park firmer conditions where you're going to damage your engine, you're going to damage your car. You, you could possibly... You can start at the end of, at the back of the grid because you've done something silly in free practice. Um, and we, we saw Perez; he got unlucky in the actual sprint race and started at, in the pit lane on Sunday. And maybe the the mantra of people going forward now is not to win the sprint race, just not to lose the sprint race. So you just go defensive and you don't lose positions. Um, I think if that's the case, it's going to be quite boring to watch. 
Um, and some of the drivers said on the TV on Saturday was, they weren't sure how it was going to kind of play out. And what sort of seemed to happen is all the drivers went, well, actually, I'm going to go quite aggressive and have a go because if I don't and everybody else does, then I'm going to lose loads of positions. Yep, true. Um, but, yeah, I think I think there's just – it's worth playing with that format of something on it each day yeah. of a weekend, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday that has some sort of meaning over the weekend towards the race. Whether it's a sprint format or whether it's something else, who knows. But yeah, I do agree, Andy, that the, the FP2 sessions seem to be a little bit pointless, <laughs> apart from to go through some tyres. I guess yep. you could have gone out, done one lap, come back in, and then you could have just saved some tyres for the race then. I mean, in terms of the actual qualifying on the Friday night, um, it was hot. Oh, Andy, you were sat in a covered grandstand. Sarah, you were in covered hospitality. I was getting um, sunburned. <laughs> we, we were sat on the grassy knoll in front of Vale, and we decided to watch it from there. So, And there was no shade, no cover, and it was really hot. And it didn't seem to affect the cars too much. I know it's hot for Britain and not hot for like uh, Dubai or Bahrain, but it didn't seem to affect anyone too much. Yeah, yeah, I um, agree with that. Think... Other, other than over the weekend, but let's not mention that yet. We won't mention the, the P word yet, but when we do yeah. come around to that, I'll bring up temperature then. Yeah, I think certainly um, one thing that was, you know, Friday and Saturday, um, it was hot. But how many people did we see in McLaren merch? That, I think yes. that's the most I've seen. Um, you know, I, I started going to Silverstone sort of 2010, 2011, something like that. So we were still doing pretty well in the Vodafone McLaren Mercedes days. So, but I, you know, it was probably then like quite a lot of Lewis, but now there was, there was people who may have worn Lewis shirts previously years wearing McLaren stuff again. And yeah, it was good to see. There was a lot of papaya um, and, and yeah, a lot of uh, sort of, the special the special weekend merchandise for um, for Silverstone that McLaren did. Uh, I think there was a Lando range and a Dan range that came yep. out. So um, yeah, there was a lot of people wearing that that stuff. Um, and I believe I believe I think I saw a tweet where they'd actually sold out of Lando's t-shirts. Um, yep, I don't know whether it was on. just that one stall or across the whole thing, but. Uh, Go on, Andy. In the fan village, we actually had dedicated McLaren shops. Uh, not just the normal Formula One ones that go around and do the circus. There were two booths, one for Lando and one for Danny. That we had filled with merch and stash. And we all know you go back 10 years and we had one hat we could buy that said McLaren Honda. It was black and it was useless and it was horrible. But now we've got... So we burn it. <laughs> yeah. But now we've got 30 hats. You can go and buy 30 different versions of the hat. And it's not just papaya or, or, or Vega blue. You can get the purple, the green, the grey, the white, the, 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 the glitch logo. You can get everything and anything you want on papaya pretty much. And that merch has come a long way in a very short period of time. I've also noticed there's a lot of young, I was going to say young girls, but I'll rephrase that. A lot of younger fans that have obviously come on board, I think with Lando, 
I think he's attracted a whole new audience as well. And I don't remember that being, you know, last year maybe I, I saw that growing, but this year it's gone like wildfire. You know, it's it's really exponentially grown, his fan base. And I think he even referred to it into an interview I saw over the weekend where he said, you know, it's it's just got bigger and bigger. Um, Landor when, Mania, they called it in one of the... Yeah. When he came round the track, those cheers were nearly as big as those for Lewis, as far as I was concerned, you know. Um, and I know we, we we had the three Brits. We had Lewis, we had Lando, and we had George. And, you know, everybody, even the McLaren fans, wanted George to do well because he's a good guy and we know he's, he's driving the, the nuts off that car. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the screams and shouts for McLaren's going by and for Lando were just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, really I think, good. I wonder if that's like kind of, we're starting to see the first wave of the sort of drive to survive effect of the fans yeah, who have watched be. that and maybe have access to a Grand Prix for the first time. And certainly on my Twitter timeline, I saw lots of people who were saying they were going for the first time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you so, also think um, it could be a little bit of, and I'll use this term carefully, you know, when you talk about football teams that are doing really well, there's always a few Glory Hunter fans that come along that go with a team that's doing better. Um, you know, Man United fans in that era, Liverpool fans in that era. Do you think now that we're doing better, people are not embarrassed to be fans of us? Not I'd, I'd rather they... not say not embarrassed. I'd say more <laughs> they're noticing us. Yeah, but during the 75 grid drop sort of era, you know, we loved our team and we we were supporting them, but even we were a little bit embarrassed by that. Um, so that's that's why I use my phraseology carefully. Do you think we're we're gaining people just because we're more successful as well? Isn't that a great thing that we're more successful and people yes. want to support us again? <laughs> it um, totally is. Yes, yes. I just quite like it sometimes when we all consolidate with each other and go, "We were there. We were there during the tough times." You know, I remember the and, dark days. The yeah, days. makes me feel old. <laughs> Honestly, I could walk around. So I, I, I wear a papaya hat no matter where I am, twenty four seven. If I'm not in the office at work, and yet you do not have one on now. Wow. <laughs> I'm in the office at work. Um, so, and I would never ever see anyone else that had a Formula One gear or, or a McLaren gear. And if you did, on the very rare chance, you'd give them a nod, they'd give you a nod back. Yeah, right, mate. If it yeah. was a McLaren person, it was at a track, you kind of knew their face from the other three Grand Prix that they'd been to that you'd seen them at as well. I sat in a grandstand where literally every third or fourth person was wearing some kind of McLaren gear. And it wasn't Mercedes. It wasn't a Lewis thing. It was McLaren and everyone wanted McLaren. It's amazing to see that the sheer numbers that want to support McLaren now. And and it's only with Lando going up the way he is and Danny's drive at the weekend, by the way, Dan had a cracking drive on Sunday. He did. He did. I'm sure we will get to the actual racing at some point rather than just fandom about the fans. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, let's, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we talk a little bit about the race and then, you know, which one? Uh, Let's, let's start with um, the sprint race since that happened first. So, um, Quick sentence off you both, or quick quick comment off you both. What did you think of that um, of the format of the actual race itself? Was it interesting? Um, I watched it at home. I'm kind of keen to understand whether there was an atmosphere at the actual track itself. What was what was it like being at the track watching that, Andy? So uh, it was good for the first few laps. 
and then it just seemed that people just wanted it to finish already because it was only 17 laps long and not much was happening apart from getting past Fernando Alonso, um, who started a no truly train, but really, really a lot better because he's an amazing driver, give him credit. Um, it was just a case of, oh, we've done the first three laps, all the actions happened, now let's wait for the pit stops, which were never going to come, so let's just wait for the end. And that's kind of how it felt. And I mean, I was surrounded by, I was in a stand at that point, and it was... Um, thousands of fans and it wasn't loud there was polite clapping every time they went past and that was it really so i guess watching it at home i was like oh who's gonna lead is it gonna be verstappen is it gonna be hamilton and then once that question was answered i was like oh where's lando gonna be where's then and i was watching that and seeing the alonso moves and 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 yeah and after about the fifth or sixth lap I think we all sort of knew what the results were going to be. Um, and I think maybe we're being hard on the format. I, I don't object to it. I, it was okay. But if they were looking for what we called Andy when we discussed it over the weekend, Jeopardy, the idea that you don't know the result till the end, a bit like when the last bit of quali is decided. Well, that didn't happen because after about lap five, we knew who was going to win. We knew it was going to be Max. Um and and yeah, you know, and and, and we it was it was good for us as McLaren fans. We both we, both drivers moved up a spot. Can't complain. Um, so I, I haven't got strong feelings either way. I didn't dislike it, but it didn't knock my knock my socks off either. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to agree on that. Um, I think it's worth trying it again and tweaking a few things. Maybe, yeah. you know, how can you add some jeopardy to that sprint race? Reverse grid. Yeah, something like that, or you know, make make a make a tire thing happen, or something like that. I don't know, you know, a, a tire thing. I yeah, like that. You know, Pirelli what, I think I'm, what they call pit stops. Right that's it. Yeah. How did I? <laughs> well, whatever we do, we cannot do this in Monaco. No, no, no. I think you're looking at somewhere like Spa and Monza for these sort of things. Probably yeah. somewhere I mean, where they... you know you're going to get the fans' attendance on the Friday. Yeah. Austria. Austria would be great for a little sprint lap. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's as we said, though. It, it's definitely worth a shot. And I think, again, they're going to assess this. They're going to give it a little tweak, maybe. Um, but um, I think it's here to stay. And I think it's here to stay because they've decided they want it at a certain set of races across the season. I think they said six to eight, didn't they, When in, in, the, in all of the blurb I was reading. So... So, I'm yeah. hoping it's not that many. I hope it was like three or four, but six uh, to eight is quite a lot. I'm with Andy here. I think three to four would be, be good. It'd be a nice gimmick for a few races, but not too many. Yeah, It certainly worked well at Silverstone because like we have all said already, filled up on a Friday, you know, high numbers. But is that because it's the first thing we can do after COVID? Maybe. And every, everyone's like, oh, I can get out of the house. I can go somewhere. Let's go to Silverstone. Um, I think that's one of those questions we can't answer yet, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah, I think there would probably be a little bit of that, but you know, those people who've gone for the first time, maybe they're now new fans. Yep. And, you know, um, maybe we, come back next year again. The, the good thing about the sprint qualifying was that both our cars moved up a place. Yeah. So we went from sixth and seventh to fifth and sixth. Yep. Uh, and that gave, wow. Well, just gave us a better position for the Sunday, didn't it? Really, yeah. Probably should we where slide we over to? 
Shall we slide over to talk about Sunday as you've segued nicely into that then, Andy? Professional. Go for it. Give me give me your thoughts on Sunday then. Go on, Sarah. Oh, I was waiting for Andy to talk. I thought he was ready to go he's just there. Spilling, he's just spilling his coffee. So you Yeah, know. You, ca- you can't see this, guys, because obviously it's an audio podcast, but it is, it is amusing when someone spills their drink on camera. <laughs> that, that clattering was the McLaren fans podcast coaster hitting the deck. There you go. Oh, available, available in all good all shops. Good <laughs> yeah. so um, race. Sunday I was, was. I was. I was keyed up for it. How were you feeling, you guys? Were you ready for it? You were excited. Yes, absolutely. I thought we were in a really good position to um, get double points. I, I think I've said before on this that. Double points, both cars um, doing well is all I expect this season from the races. Um, Yes, you know, there's going to be some races where we don't get that for whatever reason. But yeah, I thought we were in a good position to to make some of that. The the thing for me was that um, I think Dan actually had a really good qualifying, a good sprint and kept, you know, Qualifying next to Lando is what we've wanted Dan to do all of this season. I think it was probably 100%. Dan's yep. most complete race weekend for us all season. Um, while you know he didn't get a podium or anything else like that, I think he put in a solid, solid work as a driver for us this weekend. And qualifying, the difference between Dan and Lando in qualifying was two thousandths of a second. Yeah, it's the closest has been all year. Yeah. You can't get closer than that. You, you pretty much can't. Um, but yeah, I mean, the race itself, building up to it, I was nervous because, you know, if there's a Ferrari in front of us, we can take that. Um, one of the Red Bulls pretty much always has some kind of issue on one lap, so we can get there. So I, I thought we could. We had an outside chance of getting one of the boys on the podium. And I was, uh, I was like, I haven't been that excited by that prospect for a very long time to actually think we might be able to get a podium um, yep. but definitely double points was was what I was hanging my hope on yeah I mean Lando was running in third for a, for a little while wasn't he so it, it yeah. looked like we could have done something it um, did I, I felt that when the when the Lewis um, penalty I know we're, we're we're skimming over the the whole of the the race that all of the other fans out there were looking at but as McLaren fans we're looking at it from a different angle yeah I it's felt been when the discussed Lewis... to death on Twitter hasn't it yes so, yeah. it certainly yeah. has so let's not go there but when the Lewis penalty was coming and we could hear <laughs> the Ferrari was having to be rebooted as it was going round I was actually thinking Lando could win this not a podium, he could actually win this. I, I really felt that. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but that was my feeling there. There was there was a little thought of that, but I, w- I wasn't going to get too excited. I was trying to just kind of hold it in a little bit. I thought, if things go our way, then he's got a good chance. You just never know. And yeah. this is the thing. We're putting ourselves in the position where if everything falls apart at the front, we're there to pick up the pieces yeah. consistently. Not just by consistently, like, yeah. We are reliable, we are there, we've not had reliability issues. Lando's consistently scoring points, and I know we've got the stats on that to discuss in a minute as well. We're ready to be there if anyone else makes a mistake, and that's a very good position to be in. And Lando was lapping in front of Bottas, 
until that first pit stop. And for I couldn't see a timing screen, but in my head it was like between one and two seconds. He was in front of Bottas, yeah. and he was he was doing good. And then we had the pit stop. And as much as I love getting four wheels on a car and I'll take a slow pit stop, six seconds killed us for that position. It, it totally. did. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to surprise everybody in the podcast listening world out there by going, I don't mind that at all. Because um, these things happen in races, right? <laughs> as people's jaw, jaw hits the ground. These things happen in races. What Earlier this season, it was consistently, we were like four seconds for pit stops and things like that. That was the bit that kind of irked me. But you're going to have an issue with a gun. You're going to have an issue with a, um, a wheel coming off or something like that. It's, it happens to not just us, to other teams. It's, it's part of racing. Um, and, I, you know, I can, I can kind of deal with that and compartmentalize it as a one-off rather than a, uh, something else, you know, consistently the last few races, we've been really good with our pit stops and Dan, Danny yeah. Ricks was good. So, you know, we're not, there's not, a, there's not a problem that needs to be fixed in the team with pit stops. Well, I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm stunned because Donnelly, you've, you've moaned about pit stops all the way through this season of uh, our podcast. I'm sure if anyone from McLaren was listening, they'd be uh, about it. And and now we've had a bad one, which I bet the people on the team were knocking themselves about. Um, and and you're 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 fine with it. Well, I'm just very happy. All I would say is other teams had pit stop issues too, as I alluded to earlier. I don't know if it was because of the heat. I don't know if it's because the wheel guns are out in the sun. It could be uh, you know a million different things, but. There were there were a few slow pit stops where someone had one corner of the car had a problem, um, and I just wonder what you know if that's connected. What about what did you think, Andy? Well, I don't want to make excuses because I love our team, but I also know that the right rear where the slow pit stop happened, that was replacement personnel for the race. So the people uh, operating on that car, what they're all trained up, they all do as many pistol practices as everyone else and everyone can do all the jobs. But I also yeah. know it wasn't our primary crew on that wheel and they did a great second stop. But the first stop, it, it, it could have impeded Lando's possibility of a third. A very flowery word in there because if he got back out in front of Bottas, could he have done what Danny Rick did in front of Carlos Sainz? Could he have just been defensive and have got yeah. that position we don't know we, we don't there's, know at all but there's a lot of variables there Andy a lot of coulders and I think we need to all walk away with it being very very happy with fourth and fifth we need to yeah. celebrate that hugely because yeah. we, we love coming we love coming in the points we love double points and anything up the front of the grid where we're in a fight I, I'm well happy with yep yep and where are we we're third in the constructors yay and Yeah. Um, so, still the only driver to finish in the points all season. I, on, on all of my notes, that's the bit that I never delete at the minute because it's there yes. every week. Um, <laughs> and I believe that, that we know we like a good stat. Um, 15 consecutive points finishes for McLaren, more than any other McLaren driver. That's... Yep. James Hunt, Ayrton Senna, Alan Prost, Mika Hakkinen, David Coulthard, Lewis Hamilton, who's not so bad. Um, hey, Jensen you know. Button, go on. Sorry? 
Who? Say, say Jensen Button, go on. <laughs> anyway, it's a, bloody, it's a bloody good stat, and Lando should be blimmin' proud of himself. And if I could give him a pat on the back, socially distance, I would do. Um, he really deserves it. He's he's a proper team player for us at the moment, and Amazing. we're in a very very good place. A couple of times during interviews, he referenced what happened at the Euros final and the effect it had on him emotionally and mentally, not just physically. He yeah. said it's not been the best week for him. He's ha- having some issues processing what was going on. And to have that happen, and less than a week later, to put out that performance, yeah. what, what, what a man. What, what a Truly man of... outstanding. I, I, would, yeah. I would hope the drive helped in that. I think mentally it would have done, but I also read that he'd he'd got some bruising, so I don't know if also that was an incredibly painful drive for him. You know, the G forces in the car, if you've got, you know, bruised ribs or something like that, and of course we're all guessing at that, but um, you know, just all round spectacular for him to to do what he did this weekend. Yeah, you know, I'll take my hat off to him. And and then then we have the amazing drive from Danny Rick as well. Yeah. Yes. One one car back, and I don't know what the time gap was, but on, on the circuit, you had enough time to pause and wait and get ready for Dan to come round after Lando because there was a gap there. But he was defending every single... I was, at, at that point, I was on uh, Stowe Corner, so for Stowe for the race, and that's right after Hangar Straits. So you've got the DRS zone down there. Carlos Sainz in a Ferrari with DRS going down to that corner. Out of Maggots Beckett's, it's all full speed he did not have a chance. There wasn't one point where, where Carlos almost got through. He didn't stand a chance every single lap. Dan had nailed him. It was just brilliant to watch. So he's going to be slightly slower than Lando because he's defensive driving. But he do, you, knew... um, do you think Carlos enjoyed looking at the back of his old car? <laughs> I thought I'd just uh... drop that one in there. Sorry, sorry, Carlos fans. Sorry, Fern. Uh... <laughs> But it just occurred to me that he was he was going round in circles, looking at the back of his old car, thinking, "Damn, I can't get past this." <laughs> right, guys. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. I, I, we could have talked for hours. I think. Um, I think so. Next race is Budapest. Um, we will be back for another podcast after that. Thanks for joining me, Sarah, again. Um, no worries, Andy. And. Also, thanks to Andy for joining us uh, once again. And maybe you can have like 15 consecutive podcast appearances. And yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll get a trophy or something like that. Like a hat would, trick sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I would do it yeah. with honour. I've just been surrounded by Andys tonight. <laughs> Not a bad thing. All right. Thank you. And uh, um, see you guys later. And uh, thanks for listening.